Hey, podcast listener. Are you working so hard you wonder if the money is even worth it? If you're like most CPAs I work with, you have way too much to do, you feel relentless deadline pressure, and worst of all, you feel torn between serving clients and being with family. What if I told you you could work a 40-hour week without losing a dime? I know it sounds impossible, but my Down to 40 Hours CPA Mastermind is designed for CPAs just like you who want to get their lives back. Down to 40 Hours CPA Mastermind is launching soon. In it, you'll learn how to start getting your time back week by week, make your workload manageable while still bringing in plenty of revenue, what to put in your packages and how to price them, and so much more. Don't leave your future to chance. CPA Mastermind will get you on the same profitable path you've been searching for. With unlimited coaching, your success is guaranteed. Go to GeraldineCarter.com to learn more. Dates, times, pricing, it's all there. Welcome to the Business Strategy for CPAs podcast, where I help overworked CPAs go down to 40 hours and then down to 25 hours without giving up revenue. My name is Geraldine Carter. Today, I want to talk about leverage what it is, what options you have, and why it's important to look at your options for creating leverage. Because the more you use leverage and the more you use levers that come naturally to you, the easier it becomes to create an accounting practice you enjoy, one that provides the flexibility, the free time, and the revenue that you're looking for. So let's talk about leverage and your options. There are lots of different kinds of leverage, but for the purpose of trying to keep things contained, I have seven primary buckets for you. Number one, people. Number two, systems and processes. Number three, time. Number four, money. Number five, technology and automation. Number six, networks and audience. And number seven, knowledge and expertise. So people, systems and processes, time, money, tech and automation, networks and audiences, knowledge and expertise. So A zero leverage situation might sound like an accountant doing all the work themselves, no standardization, no systems, a tech stack that's like a wobbly Jenga tower of technology, not leveraging anyone else's time, not leveraging anyone else's money, being a lone wolf and a jack of all trades generalist. You can imagine that might be a very hard business to run. That's at the extreme end, and it's very unlikely to be you. You are likely to be using leverage in your accounting practice. But I wanted to paint the picture of the zero leverage situation by contrast. And to give you another picture to contrast it with, you could look at my business. And if you look against people, systems and processes, time, money, tech and automation, networks and audience, knowledge and expertise, I lean most heavily into expertise which I push out using technology in the form of a podcast and a daily email to my email list, followed by systems and processes to run things efficiently. I share this with you simply to give you an idea that there are lots of different levers that you can pull on in your business in order to create more output with less input. And I also want to tell you a story, a story about how I navigated this in my first business to see if you can relate to it in any way, or maybe it can help you think about how you want to choose what to leverage in your business. There's no right or wrong answer here. It's your business and you get to decide. 15 years ago, I co-founded a company. You could loosely call it an events production company. 
It was built along lines similar to something like a Susan G. Komen Race for the Cure or the California AIDS Ride or the MS-150, which is a fundraiser for multiple sclerosis. The company and the events we built are Climate Ride with the goal of raising awareness and funds for sustainability and climate change. This company is still thriving. Since inception, it's generated more than $13 million to support conservation, climate, sustainability, and active transportation while creating a community of adventurers dedicated to protecting the planet. When we started, we were two co-founders. And then we grew to three. And then we added another and another and another. And when we started, I was right in my genius zone, setting up, building, solving, envisioning, deep into figuring out how to do something that had never been done before. This is my genius zone, figuring out how to do cool things, things that I find cool, that haven't been done. We knew that events worked. We knew fundraising events worked. But we didn't know if fundraising events worked related to sustainability and climate change, especially back in 2008 when half of Americans were still doubting and debating if in fact was real or not. And we didn't know if you could even ride a bike from, in the case of our first event, New York City, downtown Manhattan, to Washington, D.C. We didn't know for sure, but we thought it had to be possible. So we decided to figure out how to make it happen. We made it happen. Making it happen is in my zone of genius. I am at my best when I figure out how to make stuff happen. I'm in my genius zone when no one else has done it. And it's even better when others think what I'm doing is really hard, if not impossible. Nothing lights me up like a seemingly impossible challenge. If there's a through line in my life, it's doing what I think might be right at the edge of impossible for me. It's why I ran my first marathon. It's why I qualified for Boston, then did an Ironman, then rode my bike from Canada to Mexico, then from Burma across the top of Thailand to Laos to Vietnam into China, and from there took a puddle jumper to Lukla and then walked up to Everest Base Camp. I like doing hard stuff. But I like doing hard stuff I'm good at. I get a ridiculous high from doing hard stuff I'm good at, which brings me back to growing the company. We were really good at what we were doing. Our company was growing. We had more participants, more events, more funds donated, more press, more attention, more impact. But as we grew, as we hired, my role was shifting. I was going from managing logistics and operations and finances to managing people, policies, and time off requests. I'm great with people but I can't stand policies and I can't stand managing people inside policies. And I suck at writing policies. The more success we had, the more we grew, the more we grew, the more we hired, and the more we hired, the less of the work I did where I'm really good. The vision, the innovation, the making the idea become a real reality and then turning that reality into systems and spreadsheets so it works for real in the day-to-day on the ground. The more I was needed to manage people and policies, the less I did work in my genius zone. The more successful we became, the more I sucked at my job. The more successful we became, the more amazed I was at what we were creating and the more excited I became for our growth and impact. But the more I felt pulled in half on the inside because my own day-to-day reality was really hard emotionally because I just don't enjoy managing people inside policies. And I found this distressing. Because as a business owner, I had helped create this thing that I was super proud of. 
but I was uneasy on the inside because I showed up at work many swim lanes away from where I started, many swim lanes away from my genius zone. And the cognitive dissonance between feeling proud of my company and feeling ill at ease in my own day-to-day because my role wasn't close to my genius zone, that dissonance was strong. I tell you this story because you too are a business owner and you are charting your own path and figuring it out as you go and designing your company as you build it. And as forces and circumstances outside your control change around you. But there's a lot that you are in control of. And how you choose to design your company and how you grow, which way you grow, is absolutely one of them. As you grow, you are using leverage. You're likely leveraging a combination of factors. Staff, systems, time, money, tech and automation, networks, audience, knowledge, and expertise. But are you leveraging these in a way that's really working for you? When I look at the accounting industry at arm's length, which is the only way that I can look at it because I'm not an accountant, I see many firms leaning heavily on staff as the primary lever. They grow by adding staff, which puts the accountant on a similar path I was on. You take a technical thinker and make them manage people, which isn't inherently bad or wrong unless it feels that way to you. If you love managing people and developing people If you love it, great. But to me, I was leaving my genius zone without being aware of it happening because it was like the frog on the slow boil. It just doesn't notice. You drop a frog in boiling water, it notices it jumps out, but the frog on the slow boil doesn't notice, and so it croaks. There's another angle, in addition to taking a technical thinker and making them manage people, and that other way to think about it is that staff are expensive, not just in what you pay them, So yes, you might pay a senior accountant 80K or 120K, but in addition to their salary, you pay in terms of your time seeking, finding, hiring, and training them. You pay in stress and risk and worrying if this new hire is going to work out. And then you kind of sort of, but not really, but still sort of, have their mortgage over your head on your mind. You need to keep clients to make sure that you can pay their salary Then there's the emotional cost of when somebody on your staff, say, has a minor surgery or needs to take time off, the emotional cost of pulling you away from the work you love doing in order to lead, manage, and develop them, and the cost of being pulled out of your genius zone. Staff are expensive not just in terms of the dollars, but also in terms of time and emotional energy. And if you got into business for flexibility, do the staff that you have increase your flexibility or decrease it? Only you can know the answer to these questions. I want to help you expand your view of what's possible as you build your business, your accounting practice, and build one that you love, that keeps you in your genius zone while providing the flexibility, the joy, the time, the freedom, and the revenue that you're looking for. And to help you turn your head a little to the left, a little to the right, to see the other options that are available to you, the other forms of leverage available to you that you may be underutilizing or not utilizing at all. In the physical world, you already appreciate leverage. When you sit on a seesaw with a kid and they can lift you when they sit on the long end, even though you weigh three times as much, when you ride a bicycle up a hill and you put it in the large chain ring, the granny gear in the back, you go up that hill much more easily using the big cog on the back wheel. When you see ropes and pulleys, 
being used to lift heavy loads, you're pulling that rope a longer distance to lift the heavy load. When you see a bulldozer or a backhoe moving rubble, you're looking at hydraulic leverage. And secretly, we love hydraulic systems because there's very little friction and very little heat lost and therefore high efficiency compared to mechanical systems, which lose energy to heat. So in the physical world, you already recognize leverage in play. Machines use leverage to make work easier. And I want you to think about these component parts that you are using to build your machine, your business, and how to design your business so that you're using leverage so that your business is easier and lose the least amount of energy to friction. You recognize friction as heat, friction lost as heat. Just think Edison light bulb versus LED light bulb and all the heat that is kicked off in the Edison bulb when electrons are forced through a tiny wire. All that friction kicked off as heat is wasted energy. When it comes to the light bulb, we used to buy light bulbs by the watt, the 100 watt bulb. A watt is a measure of electrical power. Stay with me. Power going in expressed in watts. But we don't care about power going in. When it comes to a light bulb, we care about the light coming out. The light coming out. And a lumen is a measure of the quantity of visible light coming out. The light emitted by the bulb. So now when we buy light bulbs, we care about what actually matters, which is the light coming out. And now we buy the bulb that puts out the light we want, a 100 watt equivalent, but really that LED bulb is 1500 lumens. And it only takes 10 watts to pump out 1500 lumens. They call this luminous efficacy. Stay with me. It's a measure of how many lumens per watt. So the Edison bulb put out 15 lumens per watt, but the LED bulb puts out 150 lumens per watt. The LED bulb is 10 times more efficient. It's a little more expensive. It's a lot more efficient. Your job as a business owner, if we want to take this concept of luminous efficacy and map it over to your business, then we think about value creation efficacy. How much value do you create per client per second? That value that you create for clients, how many hours per week does it take you to deliver it? And in the same way that we went from an Edison bulb to an LED bulb that was 1500 lumens that used to take 100 watts, but now only takes 10. Similarly, how can you take your accounting practice and increase your efficacy if you're creating, say, 500K of revenue and you're using 50 hours a week to do it? How can you create that same revenue, 500K, and have it only require 25 hours a week to do it, and then have it only require five hours a week to do it? First, you double your efficacy, and then if you go from 50 down to five while maintaining the revenue of 500K, your business has become 10 times more efficient. That Edison bulb, that LED bulb, same light output, less energy going in. Now bring it back to leverage. Machines use leverage to make work easier. Your business can use leverage to make work easier, to create 500K of revenue using 50 hours, then create 500K of revenue using five hours. If a light bulb can become 10 times more efficient, then so can your business. 
Now think about the component parts you're using to build your machine, your accounting practice, and how you want to design it so that you lose the least amount of energy to friction. From the seven ways to create leverage, you can mix and match. You can leverage time of staff to perform accounting work, or you can leverage time of contractors to perform accounting work, or you can leverage expertise of staff or expertise of contractors, or you can leverage the expertise of contractors, like you might with an IT or a security firm or a web design firm. You can leverage your own expertise by focusing on a niche or industry or section of the tax code. You can strengthen systems, create processes, standardize processes, optimize processes, automate steps of processes. You can use technology to organize information. You can use technology to organize and optimize processes. You can use technology to automate steps in processes. You can leverage money in the form of a loan from a bank to buy a firm. You can leverage other people's networks. You can leverage other people's audiences. Consider the levers that you can pull to increase your luminous efficacy, your value creation efficacy, to deliver the value that generates, say, 500K of revenue on 50 hours versus 25 hours versus five hours each week. Remember, by contrast, zero leverage is doing all the work yourself, no standardization, all clients are custom, no systems, everything is in your head or in your staff's head, no leveraging time means you do everything. Not leveraging anyone else's money means you kick off your business with the $10,000 or however much of savings you had in your bank account. Being a lone wolf and not leveraging expertise means saying yes to everything and being a jack-of-all-trades generalist accountant. That's a zero-leverage situation, and of course, that's not your current situation. You're probably leveraging multiple of the above already in your accounting practice. But are they the ones you want to be using? You don't have to use every possible lever. You don't want to use every possible lever. You want to focus. And given that your business, your accounting practice, is likely your life's second most powerful asset, the first one is your brain because that's where value gets created in the first place for your clients. Given that, or if your accounting firm is your life's second most powerful asset, it's worth it to think through your options for creating leverage and asking yourself which levers you want to pull on and which ones you don't. You don't have to pull all the levers. You definitely don't want to try pulling all of them at once. You risk dividing your attention too thin and getting nowhere. Staff is not your only lever. It's the most talked about. It's the most assumed we're doing it this way, in air quotes. But you have plenty of other levers available to you. Levers that might be more efficient, less prone to error, and levers that generate less friction. In my business this year, of the options, staff, systems, processes, technology, automation, time, money, networks, audience, expertise, I am focused on optimizing systems and processes and leveraging others' audiences, and that's it. Systems and processes, because I want to get the same work done, the same output, in less and less time. And I know there are parts of my processes that I can speed up and leveraging others' audiences because my book is coming out and I want every business-owning accountant who works more hours than they want to be working to know about my book so they know there's a path to getting down to 40 hours without losing revenue. Right now, my audience size is a few thousand, which is definitely not every last firm-owning accountant in North America. 
So I picture this like getting my content up to more mountaintop cell phone towers so that the down to 40 hours signal blankets the airwaves. Like the Verizon map, I want full coverage, no dead zones, which means in my case, doing another podcast tour and perhaps writing for publications like Accounting Today and CPA Trendlines and so on. That's leveraging others' audiences. Their audience benefits, and so do I. So this year, I'm focusing on leveraging only two things, systems and audiences, and that is it. More output, more lumens, less effort, less watts, less time. This keeps me in my genius zone because I'm creating, creating systems, optimizing, scouring for efficiencies, and I'm talking to people, working with people, which I am also great at, but I'm not leading or managing or developing people, which is not my genius zone. So the question for you becomes, where do you want to create leverage in your accounting practice? Staff, systems and processes, technology and automation, time, money, network, audience, knowledge and expertise. Think about your genius zone and what you want your limits to be. If you use staff, your growth is likely to be geometric and limited by the work you can push through your staff's pipeline. Geometric growth could be 10, 20, 30, 40% year over year. If you use automation to grow, now you're limited by the speed of light to get work done. So if you're designing your business, would you rather choose the limit of its growth to be based on the speed at which staff can perform work, or would you rather it be limited by the speed of light to perform work? No right or wrong, just something to think about. When you imagine the accounting practice that you want to have, the business you want to have, when you think about designing your business to take advantage of leverage to increase output while reducing input, input in the form of hours, which levers suit you best? Which levers suit getting results for your clients best? And remember the story that I told at the top where the more we grew, the more we hired, the more we hired, the more my role became about managing people and policies, the more success we created, the more I sucked at my job. We took a technical but creative thinker and had her manage people. This was not a conscious decision on anyone's part. This was never articulated. We were just going with the flow at the time and I didn't understand what was off. It took me more than 10 years of retrospect to be able to see it clearly and say, oh, of course, that's why. The more we grew, the more I struggled. When you think about your options to create leverage in your business and focus on using leverage to create value, to price effectively and deliver efficiently, using the forms of leverage that work for you, that keep you close to your genius zone, you'll be able to generate more revenue using less of your hours, and you're more likely to enjoy your accounting practice more. The more you enjoy your accounting practice, and the more you focus on ways to use leverage to create value, and the more you price effectively and deliver efficiently, the better it is for your accounting practice the better it is for you, and the better it is for your clients on your one trip through space. Have an amazing day, and I will see you next week. Hi again. Would you rather spend your weekends outside playing or at your desk? In Down to 40 Hours CPA Mastermind, we put an end to overworking while maintaining revenue. Go to GeraldineCarter.com to learn more. 
dates, times, pricing, it's all there.